talking to Dr. Chris Williams of Interventional Orthopedics of Atlanta. And Chris is in the business of regenerative medicine and uh, other therapies, basically helping patients deal with pain and joint issues of multiple varieties. And so without further ado, I wanted to uh, welcome Dr. Chris to the show. Dr. Chris, how are you doing today? Doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me, man. It's a real honor to be on the podcast and I love what you're doing and I appreciate it. Oh, well, well, I just really appreciate you being here as well. Um, and so thank you. Uh, I think maybe just to jump into things, um, let's have our viewers uh, hear from you about your sort of journey into the business you're in now. I know that you have some military background and some other things you may want to uh, want to discuss. So what got you um, into regenerative medicine and what you're involved with now? Yeah, great question. Yeah, I'm originally from Jacksonville, Florida, born and raised and went to the military after high school because I hated school. And so I vowed that I would never go to college. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, military just allowed me to go through a lot of personal and um, career growth and development and just a lot of discipline, um, you know, I was exposed to, which really helped to allow me to become a more well-rounded, well-rounded individual. So, um, you know, after doing a couple of years in the military, being stationed in Kuwait, uh, England, um, et cetera, you know, started taking some classes online um, for free. You know, the military provides pre- free tuition assistance while you're active duty. So one of my friends who's like, you know, you might as well go and start taking some things. And so um, started, got uh, an online associate's degree with University of Phoenix back when they were still rolling. I don't even know if they're still around these days. Um, and, you know, got out of the military after about four years and decided to go to college um, and did that full time um, and decided, hey, maybe I'll go into medicine because fitness and health was something I really enjoyed. Looked at the going into medicine from the naturopathic route, but um, decided to go on a more traditional allopathic route um, and get a traditional medical doctorate degree. And so came up to Emory University and did that and did residency and, you know, was very into during this time period, health and fitness and orthopedics. And so surgery was not really, traditional surgery was not really my thing. Um, the personality was not a great fit for me and also wanted to learn more about other alternatives. I always looked into holistic remedies, natural remedies, um, minimally invasive things to help get folks back to function. And so um, when I found out about um, interventional orthopedics, you know, because traditional orthopedics and traditional interventional pain management, um, it can provide some relief, but it's more of a you know, recurring cycle, you know, kind of a a recurring door um, of patients kind of coming in, you do a cortisone injection or physical therapy, they get some transient improvement, then they're back to see you. And so I I wanted to do something that provided the alternative more for long-term relief. So it was very interesting to me to be able to do things like PRP or platelet-rich plasma, bone marrow concentrated stem cells or adipose tissue and exosomes and all of these different types of treatments to provide patients with long-term outcomes to really help them get back to optimal functional, whether you're just a weekend warrior or adolescent or, you know, an elderly person, you know, everybody has some level of quality of life that they want to maintain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you're doing a great job of it so far. What's the history of your practice? How long have you been in business then? 
Yeah, so I, I after my uh, residency at Emory in physical medicine and rehabilitation, um, I decided to do a fellowship in intervention orthopedics and regenerative medicine in Colorado. Um, and I did that for a year, then um, worked there for about another year as an attending physician and came back to Atlanta to open my own practice in 2018. And, um, Cinco de Mayo, um, so May 5th, 2018. Uh, we just hit our three-year anniversary the other other day here. So been rocking and rolling for three years with the first um, um, practice of this sort with Regenics in Georgia. Um, and then, you know, my practice is in Buckhead. And so we have a practice in the first medical office space building in Buckhead in the past 15 years. And so it's been fun. Um, it's been a good ride so far. Yeah. So talk a little bit about uh, IO Atlanta and, um, you know, what's special about it? What are you guys doing that's maybe a little bit different or um, just, you know, what's what's the what's the hook to get people, um, you know, compelled to come in and just take notice of, you know, what you guys are doing there? Yeah, you know, I think there is definitely a paradigm shift of, of, you know, consumer demand as well as, you know, physician or provider demand of finding alternatives that can really prevent surgery or help augment surgery. Because we know that surgery is definitely um, something that is necessary in certain circumstances. But I think in our Western society, we definitely over-surgerize people, right? So people are looking for alternatives you know, for ACL tears, rotator cuff tears, meniscus tears, you know, disc herniations or, you know, multiple different injuries. And how do they do that from a minimally invasive standpoint or, you know, just preventing patients from getting knee replacements, right? So, you know, we have a lot of patients that are 40, 50 years old that have blown out their knee from doing a multitude of activities or having trauma and they're just too young. They don't want to go through that yet. And so, you know, we provide an alternative um, and functioning at a high level that's really founded in data. You know, that's our whole things. We always try to found what we do and, and from a research driven aspect as much as possible, because there's always going to be some level of theory out there. But if we can, you know, base our treatments based on the most and best available research out there, then we really can ideally predict some outcomes for patients and be able to provide them with a certain level of comfort in doing the treatment. So, you know, our thing is that, you know, we want to provide high level care, great professional services, and also get you back to having great functional quality of life um, with having minimal invasive treatments. Sure, sure. Yeah. And I know more and more people are opting for um, other ways to avoid surgeries and avoid painkillers and opiates and, and, and things like that. And so you guys, I love what you're doing there because I love to, to, to see anything that uses a natural, more holistic approach to getting people back to, like you said, get back to their life, get back to what they want to do. And you're right. These, in this day and age, a lot of people, even young people are, are facing, sort of degeneration, you know, in different joints and things like that, just from, I don't know if it's in the environment or from diet or from overuse in sports or what, what have you, but it seems to be, it seems to be pretty popular <laughs> these days in terms of that type of ailment. Absolutely. And, and so, um, and, and so what, um, give me an idea of how far your patients will come to see you? Are they right from the local community? Do you have any little more reach than that? Or talk about that a little bit and, and sort of talk about the demographic in terms of age and, and you know, 
whatever other factors for demographics, if you would. Fair enough. Yeah, I have a huge map in my office um, of the world that, and I put a sticker on there for every patient that travels. And so I've had folks come from, you know, Saudi Arabia, you know, Canada, et cetera. So people do travel about a third of my patients um, are outside of the Atlanta metro area. Um, so people travel in a lot from the Carolinas, um, you know, Alabama, um, as well as Tennessee, Florida, um, also. So drawing largely from that Southeast, but I get a fair amount of, uh, folks from the Northeast and New York, um, et cetera, um, as well. So, you know, we do hit the local market, but, you know, we have a wide reach because there's not a lot of people that are doing what I do at a high level um, at this point. There's some providers that are starting to get into it. Um, and I work a lot with some of the docs at Emory as well who are doing some great things also. But you know, for somebody like myself that can treat the whole spectrum of musculoskeletal injuries from the base of the skull down to the big toe, you know, there's not many people out there doing that. Understood. Okay. Well, good. Good information. Um, okay, switching gears a little bit. Uh, let's talk about 2020. Um, you know, several people had challenges <laughs> with the past year and a half or so um, in pretty much all walks of life. And uh, how being in Atlanta and just really kind of on the outskirts of the city itself, but still, you know, in Atlanta, um, how did that affect you guys? And sort of what are some of the things you've done to kind of come through that? Um, or are you still facing issues from that? Talk a little bit about that if you could. Yeah, 2020 was um, the good and the bad about it. You know, it was great for several reasons, but um, not so great for many others. You know, and so many people um, from a medical standpoint, it was about 11% of, of medical practices, outpatient clinics had to shut their doors permanently and did not survive the pandemic. So, you know, we did close down for about eight weeks. Um, we were primarily just doing telehealth because during that early phase, nobody really knew what this was, what it was going to look like, how to keep patients safe. And so, you know, as a medical doctor, you know, you take a tenant to first do no harm. So my whole thing was to just shut it down until we know more. Um, and, you know, and running the type of business that I run is, is difficult. You know, I run a cash-based business. It's, it's not the traditional medical model. Um, I pride myself on being able to give patients high-level quality and not sacrificing on time. Um, so, you know, typically I'll spend the hour with the patient when they come in to see me for their initial visit. Um, and, you know, not running the insurance model, you know, it definitely was a little bit tough. So, you know, revenue was definitely down, but we had some, you know, um, storage in the bank. So we were able to keep all of my staff employed and paid during the shutdown and everything. So just make sure we took care of people. Um, you know, we came out, I think, stronger. We're, you know, back to doing things pre-pandemic. Everybody has to be a little bit more creative, I think, in terms of how they're doing business. And um, I think the pandemic definitely was good in allowing us to um, understand how to be more efficient with how we conduct business, as well as um, looking at different avenues and telehealth and remote um, working and working from home. And how do we um, institute those technologies so that way we can still, because you can't remotely do everything, um, that's for sure. But how do you maximize that aspect of medicine, but also provide high level service and quality at the same time? So we got through it. Um, and it's been great because the good thing about COVID was allowing us to re 
focus on what's important, right? Because at the end of the day, you know, working 50 hours or 80 hours a week or whatever it is, is not the end all be all. So it allowed us to refocus in on, you know, family and spending time with our loved ones and, you know, trying to make sure our staff was having a good um, work-life balance and all of those things. And, you know, coming out of it in, in a, in a, in a, in a way that made us have a stronger work community. Yeah, definitely. Definitely teaches you balance going through something like this. And, um, and it sounds like, you know, your practice, your approach to the way you practice is, like you said, on a more personalized level than maybe someone might imagine. Um, a patient that comes in to see you, you say you spend a lot of time, even an hour with patients on their first visit doing a consultation. Um, you know, there's not too many people doing that these days in, in more of the, you know, you, you, you look like an allopathic practice, but you act a lot like a holistic practice. Um, and so that's a balance right there, I think. And that's just sort of an outsider looking in, but that's sort of the impression I, I get. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I would agree. You know, um, a lot of the traditional medicine approaches that a, a lot of my peers use for orthopedic injuries, I don't necessarily believe in and don't practice. I don't do cortisone injections. I don't prescribe patients non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs because of all the the detrimental side effects that they have. Yeah, I think they're just overutilized, but, you know, um, I do provide and prescribe a lot of supplements, you know, turmeric, fish oil, black seed oil, um, look at different therapeutic modalities, you know, blood flow restriction, pulse, um, and even, you know, TENS unit or electromagnetic therapy in terms of um, different spectrums and also neurodiagnostics um, as well. So it's just providing patients with options to really, look at treating the pain paradigm at multiple different aspects um, is always helpful and, and try not to do harm to people um, with also helping them at the same time. Yeah. And it's funny how um, a lot of these natural approaches are really have really been quite effective and people are willing to pay cash uh, for them. Uh, a lot of times it's maybe their last thing that they're trying and they're frustrated and they come to you. I'm sure a lot of your patients come to you frustrated um, and so there's some education there of making them feel confident and comfortable. And so there's a lot of rapport building and relationship building there, I would, I would imagine, too. So it all sounds great. Um, and I know you, you touched on it a little bit. We know each other from the Pulse relationship. You're one of my real good Pulse PEMF clients, and uh, albeit a newer client and just kind of getting rolling with it over the past several months. So maybe talk a little bit about how you... Um, were introduced to that and what got you into doing that and what you've seen so far from that, if you would. Yeah, so PMF, I, I guess I learned a little bit about it during my residency training, um, you know, in terms of treatment of stroke patients. They were then dabbling in um, DBS or deep brain stimulation with electromagnetic frequency waves. And so looking at improvement in outcomes and then, um, Fast forward a couple of years later, um, I was able to meet you at some of the conferences a couple of times and just learning more about some of the technology and how NASA institutes the technology and then looking into the research and data. I really thought it was something that could be another adjunct for patients, you know, so in terms of augmenting what I do, but also for patients that aren't necessarily candidates, because 
just because you walk through the door and have a, a checkbook out, that doesn't mean that you should get a treatment, right? So maybe something else like PEMF may be a better type of treatment for you. Um, so, you know, looking at it to augment patients and also sustain patients as well that have chronic injuries that I possibly can't fix, something like Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, that's a, a genetic condition that I can't correct, but that may benefit from something like a PEMF technology or osteoporosis or other different uh, types of pathology as well. So I find that it's a great um, modality um, that I really try to educate patients about on their initial visits with me. I give them um, pamphlets and educational material on it. And for most of my patients that get treatment, I try to incorporate it into their treatment as well, just because I, I think that it provides a secondary benefit to the healing process after they undergo treatment. So, Sure. Yeah. Excellent. Um, are, you, are you typically using it prior to a, to a procedure, like a knee procedure, let's say, or afterwards or both, or what, what's kind of been your, uh, your, your method of you know, preference? I usually like to use it um, for patients if they're doing like a platelet-rich plasma or PRP treatment. I'll try to do um, it prior to um, and then a couple sessions after. Mm -hmm. um, but if this is somebody that has an acute injury that for me, I usually try to give it at least six to eight weeks after somebody has an acute injury because we just don't know where the dust is going to settle, right? The body may be able to heal it on its own, but then I'll utilize something like pulse to help augment their own natural healing response before I go rushing in with the needle because they may be able to get there on their own in combination with PMF and maybe some physiotherapy and other modalities. So mm. um, that's usually kind of how I, you know, incorporate it in, or if I have somebody that has um, been a chronic patient that may not have had a good outcome with what I do because nothing is guaranteed, you know, then I may shift them over to try PMF um, as well. Or if a patient is, like I said before, is not a candidate. So I have sometimes patients that, you know, because what I do really depends on the overall health of the vessel, right? So the human being, if you're not as healthy as you necessarily could be, if you have a lot of medical illnesses, you know, you are, you know, morbidly obese, you're diabetic, hypertensive, hyperlipidemia, um, then we need to optimize your health because I don't like to waste people's time or money. And so if I can optimize your health and, and allow you to get some of those other conditions that are modifiable under better control to allow you to get the best chance of having a good outcome from the other types of intervention, interventional treatments that I do, then I think it's a win-win. So while we're getting you through that optimization phase, pulse may be a great adjunct to get you out of some of your chronic uh, pain um, and allow you to be more active as well. Yeah, excellent. Love that approach. Thank you for that feedback. Um, so in wrapping up, uh, I would, you know, I'm interested to hear um, sort of where you see your industry going, um, where you see the regenerative space going, um, near term, long term, uh, and then mention any, uh, if anyone wants any information from you or wants to reach out to you, what's the best way to go about doing that? Awesome. Yeah, you know, orthobiologics, as we've kind of transitioned from regenerative medicine, um, because we now have a better understanding of the basic science level that a lot of times there is not necessarily a lot of tissue regeneration, but more modification of the inflammatory response. Um, sometimes we get tissue regeneration as well, but, you know, the field of orthobiologics or biologics in medicine is booming. It's going crazy. Everybody's trying to do it um, with 
you know, some pros and some cons to that as well, because, you know, when there's an open space, there's always going to be some bad actors that come in and try to fill a void for monetary purposes, right? So you have patients that or patients that may go and try to get treatment because they have, you know, devastating conditions like multiple sclerosis or Lou Gehrig's disease or myasthenia gravis or spinal cord injury. And there is not a lot of data on those types of things yet. So I really stick to orthopedics. Uh, there are a lot of papers. I get a set of articles emailed to me each day from PubMed. Um, it's probably about 100. And so there are about, a, you know, 50 to 100 articles published on these um regenerative medicine types of treatments on a daily basis. Um, so I think the field is going to continue to evolve. I think there are going to be more practitioners start to incorporate these things into their practice. You know, of course, orthopedics is kind of leading the charge with that right now. But, you know, uh, other fields such as uh, plastic surgery is utilizing more of these types of treatments. You know, of course, everybody knows about the PRP facials, um, PRP for hair transplant augmentation, um, fillers for um, skin augmentation, you know, some urology and also gynecology treatments um, for um, sexual enhancement or even um, vaginal rejuvenation um, as well. Um, so um, there's a lot of things that's going on. So I think it's a, a field that's progressing rapidly. I think insurance will start to cover more as more research and more public demand um, calls for it as well. Um, TRICARE has now started covering PRP for knee osteoarthritis and also tennis elbow as well. Regenix, the company that I work with, they have really took, the, led, took and led on the charge of getting these procedures covered by corporate employers who provide insurance for their employees, so the self-funded employers. And so as of January 2021, they onboarded 51 new companies. So you know, at the end of the day, when you present the data, you know, it's kind of, um, it's a win-win, you know, so if you have somebody that can go and get a knee replacement versus a bone marrow stem cell procedure, and there's a $40,000 cost differential, you know, most of the time the employer is going to say, well, is it as effective? And does it work? And what's the cost savings? So they don't have a problem with giving this uh, procedure as an option to their um, employees. And so, Things are looking great on the horizon, um, for sure. I think there's going to be more and more um, public demand as education and um, more celebrities start to do these treatments, because that what kind of drives um, a lot of research as well as um, changes as there's more um, attention brought to it. So you have, you know, people like, you know, Steph Curry and other NBA players, NFL players that are getting these types of PRP and stem cell treatments all the time now. And the public is becoming more aware of this alternative as well. So um, future looks great. Um, so I'm always available. You know, I can be found on Instagram, uh, ATL stem cell doc. Um, you know, I do a little bit of Facebook, but not as much. Um, and the website is www ioaregenerative.com and has a plethora of information, blog posts um, on a weekly basis as well about orthobiologics and regenerative medicine as well. Excellent. Fantastic. Well, I really appreciate it, Dr. Chris. Um, if you like what you've heard and seen on this podcast on Resilient Business, please like, comment, and subscribe. As we wrap up here, um, view our affiliate links below for some great products and great discounts. And I just want to thank you again, Dr. Chris, for appearing today on Resilient Business. Thank you thank very much. It's my pleasure. Thanks a lot. Be safe. All right. You too.